As I was walking out to my jet in the Air Force pilot training program for my last check ride, I literally remember thinking, nothing will ever make me feel like I'm under pressure. Again, because compared to this, <laughs> my whole life was like on the line. All of my dreams for the last 15 years of my life were gonna either finish here and end abruptly or continue. And I was right on the very edge. Two hours later, after having failed that check ride, I was walking across the same parking lot going, I don't even know what my life is now. Like, it's over. And I, I didn't even re really need a personal course correction. I was, I, I, part of my Part of my impetus for even being in that space was to be a Christian light, to be a different character, to uh, bring something that typically wasn't in that military aviator ethos. So I was living, I was following God and living my dream. Nonetheless, God used a major disruption, like the majorest of my life, to redirect my life to what he wanted for me more than what I wanted for me. And that's the way God oftentimes works. Major disruptions, right? Major disruptions are almost always unwelcome. <laughs> but every disruption is pretty unwelcome, but major disruptions particularly are unwelcome. But God has a history of either orchestrating or allowing major disruptions, even tragedy, to facilitate his purposes. Oftentimes, his purposes are to revive or to renew his people. In 2 Chronicles, we read these words. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's hard for us to hear ourselves into a space where we might have wicked ways because of our delicate sensitivities. We don't think that we're wicked, right? Well, we're not wicked. We could be a little off course. But here's the reality. If there's really only two courses in life, there is a godly course and there's a wicked course. And if anything about our lives is not oriented toward God, it's not affirmed by God, it doesn't have God at the center of it, it's wicked. There's wickedness in my life. There's wickedness in the way we do church. We're doing some things that are not the way God wants us to do it. Sometimes there's things that used to be godly that God wanted us to do, and now they are not godly, and now they're wicked. You remember when, when God told Moses to hit the rock with the staff so that they would get some water? And so he did it. And the next time he wanted water, he just hit the rock again. And God was like, that's wrong. So wrong. I'm going to discontinue your opportunity to lead this people into the promised land. I didn't know he was hit a rock the second time with a stick. No, but God didn't want to do it again. What was godly was no longer godly. 
God wants to revive his people, renew his people, because we have a tendency to get off track. And in his unmatched, long-suffering mercy, God consistently does whatever's necessary to regather his children who have been tricked or enticed to put their trust elsewhere or have even unconsciously drifted away from him. I'm paraphrasing Isaiah 57. The Almighty God says, I live to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. We got to put ourselves in a humble position. And when we do, God wants to revive the heart of his people. Six months ago, I sent you, I don't know, has it been six months? Seems like years. I sent you a video, which you can click and watch again somewhere right around here. I don't know where. And I asked you to look beyond the inconvenience of the Sunday morning disruption. We were realizing that even our, even our summer plans to meet outside were going to be quashed. And I said, Set aside your, your inconveniences and the disruptions of Sunday morning look be, that are due to the pandemic. And let's humble ourselves and consider the deeper work that God might want to do in the midst of this huge disruption. And I announced a restart of Vista in September of 2021. <laughs> and everybody panicked. I, I didn't mean to say we aren't going to regather for 12 months. We will regather and reconvene in person as soon as we possibly can. All I meant to say was, I'm willing to spend a year to make sure we know what God wants us to know, to learn what God wants us to learn. If we get to the end of the year and we understand that God said, no, you guys are perfect and everything was exactly the way I wanted it, no problem. It was worth it, right? That'd be worth it. It's just, as, it's just as valuable to me when somebody affirms where I'm at as it is for them to affirm or, or tell me I'm in the wrong place. We need that kind of affirmation. If we're doing everything exactly right and God says, don't change, that's very reassuring to have that message. I don't know how it's going to end, but I think it's worth a year, at the very least, to figure out if we are where God wants us to be or not. Psalm 98 says, sing to the Lord a new song. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Isaiah 40 says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew the, the Lord. You'll renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Now, this is why we wait on the Lord. This is why we pursue what he might have for us. Because it is in that space that we go where he wants us to go without being weary and not growing faint. Paul says to the church in Philippi, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And so today, although we hope to start gathering sooner than later, we're launching ourselves into a season we're calling rechurch. It'll culminate with a grand reopening of Vista in September of 2021 with greater clarity in who we are, more focused ministry aim, hopefully a permanent facility solution in Dublin and a compelling long-term vision that we're all in for. Couple things, 
We'll be using the Sunday morning platform and sermon series after sermon series to revisit all of the whys and the what's of our biblical foundations, our values, and our ministries. We'll relook at everything. I launched a podcast. This is the other thing. It's called ReChurch. You can find it wherever you find your podcast or click somewhere around here. It'll keep, that will keep you in the mix. It's almost daily and it's only seven minutes long and it's fun, but it'll keep you in the know and inside the thinking of what's going on. I think you'll enjoy those things are really the basis for communication. And so tune in to those things. Listen throughout the years and let's be together on this thing. Rechurch starting today. Since the beginning of the summer and when I sent that video out, we've seen the devastating impact of COVID on and the governmental responses to it and what impact that's had on people and our economy. And we're really just now starting to get the full picture of the impact. It's been all sorts of very significant occurrences that reflect how drastic these times are. You, could, you ever, could you have ever imagined that oil prices on the global scale, barrel, a barrel of oil costs going lower than zero? That companies that had oil would have to pay other companies to take their oil? That if months ago, to imagine the kind of circumstances that would be required for that to happen would be like ridiculous. We lost 20 million jobs in the United States in the month of April alone. Even put that in perspective, it took 10 of our best economic years as a country to generate 20 million jobs. Economic industry stalwarts are going upside down. What about the church? How's the church going to fare in the midst of this? Here's the reality. In the coming year, we're going to see more churches close their doors than we have in any other similar period in history. Did you hear that? That is a sad, sad reality. No more sad than people that are losing their jobs and businesses that are closing all over the place. Churches are, are not immune. But the factors that drive that are not just economic. In the church in particular, it's a combination of strategic anemia, leadership failures, spiritual issues. In any case, the unprecedented times and unprecedented pressure on the church. We are monumentally blessed as a church, not only to be surviving, but to be already pivoting and making improvements and leaning into the directions that God might have us. And I refuse, we refuse to be complacent because we're okay. We will not miss what God has for us just because we're surviving. Our assumption isn't, isn't an arrogant one that God is keeping us around because we rock. I think he's keeping us around because we have a history of flexibility, a history of being willing and able to change, to see a different direction, to hold loosely to what we have. That's what God needs from a church and that's what he needs from us now is to hold loosely to our stuff and the way we like it so that we can truly follow him to keep in step with the spirit. I read of a ministry leader who asked 
One of the saddest questions that the consultant that was working with them had ever heard, having not been able to pay their insurance bills, their bank accounts were being closed, their payments, uh, they were upside down, they couldn't make payments. And this is the question he asked the consultant. At what point do we just not exist anymore? What a, what a sad, sad, heartbreaking reality. And it's happening all over the place. With all due respect, it's the wrong question. We need, we need the right context and the right question. And here's the right context for where we are, particularly as a church. Capital C, church globally, small letter C, church locally, still the same. It's God's church. He's got it firmly in his hands. He's doing precisely what he wants with it. And it's healthy. And it's on mission. The big picture on the church. That's the context. Nothing will stop the church. The worst economy ever, which is not what we're in, but hypothetically, would not stop the church. When Jesus handed the keys to Peter, he said, I will build my church. I will build my church. That's important to hear. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Meaning, not even death. Right? Do you know everything in the world is dying or decaying? Everything. Me, you, that chair, the building, the, the earth. <laughs> everything is dying or decaying except the church. It's the only thing that death does not overcome in this lifetime. That's the big context. The right question within that context is, what's God doing with his global church? Because don't forget, the global church is filled and led and counseled and directed by one spirit. One spirit. That's why it's so important for us to be in global partnerships. When we are connected with the church globally, we have a little better picture of who God is and what he's up to. The more we can get in touch with what God is up to on the massive scale helps us answer the next question is, what should we do as a local church within that context? And then the last question, right? Or at least the next question is, what about me? If this is what God's doing out here, and this is well, Vista fits into it, and then how do I fit into that fitting into that? Those are the right questions. Not... Uh, when do we fail to exist? When does this or that fail to exist? The right question is to humbly ask, how do we need to change? How do I need to change to stop my wicked ways and to be available for what God is up to now? Then we can start asking questions like, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's working, what's not? But ultimately, like Paul says to the Galatians, we live by the Spirit, so let us keep in step with the Spirit. And that takes humility and intentionality and repentance and transformation. The general idea, the general principle of God implementing change isn't new. God's been transforming people, their practices, their patterns and their postures since the very beginning. 
Adam and Eve, made perfectly, put in the perfect place, didn't even get through their honeymoon before they suddenly needed to be renewed. They fell. How long did it last before they were off track? Look at the very first disciples. This is a group of people that were all in, passionate, well-intentioned, and so wrong, so often. Jesus has been reshaping the church since it started. You can just even look at the last 50 years of today's church. Even just recent history of how the church has had to repent of wickedness and overdue reform. We are never finished. We've got to keep changing, keep transforming. Imagine what it was like for the early church to switch from what was thousands of years of Saturday being the Sabbath to Sunday. You think that's easy to do? You think there wasn't some resistance to that? Do you think there wasn't some sense of holiness about Saturday and you're like, nah, we're just going to play sports on Saturday and we're going to do church on Sunday? How hard would something like that be? But God's like, yeah, I'm changing that. The history of the people of God is generally very cyclical. It goes like this. We trust you. We don't trust you. We remember you. We don't remember you. We serve you. We serve others. We are faithful. We are unfaithful. You see that even in your own personal life, don't you? I do. You know, you're riding along. God's got the reins and you're just like, this is great. We're going right where God wants to. And you start looking around and then suddenly you're up there and you got the reins. And you think, what happened? How did I get here? And in between faith and unfaith and faith and trust and no lack of trust and trust. In between there, our gracious God sends a storm, usually. A massive disruption. Why? To kill us? To make us extinct? To hurt us? No. To get us back. To get us back and back on track with him. And that requires us to change. A healthy church goes like this. Good, healthy church. It drifts away. Storm. Rechurch. Drift away. Storm. Rechurch. I don't know I, if we'll ever escape that cycle. Probably not. You know, we actually, we could escape that cycle. We could. If we never allow the storm to humble us and break us and change us, we will get out of the cycle and just go, Whoo! <laughs> but as humans, the best we can do is be humble. Seek God. Allow him to redirect us, change us. Paul says to the church in Corinth, what no eye, ha what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and, no, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. How do we do it if we can't see it or hear it? And God's like, yeah, that's the thing. It's not clear to you. You need to follow me. You need to listen. You need to hear again. Because you don't know. As soon as we think we know, we don't know. We're lost. 
We just have to stay right there. There is a way forward, but we regularly do not know what it is. Jeremiah 29, 11, very popular verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me and you, if you seek me with all of your heart and I will be found by you. The pathway to the future that God has for us is first pursuing him and humbly being aware of how we're not pursuing him, not loving him, drifting away from him. And he says, if you seek me, you will find me and we will together go into the future that I have for you. I had a dream. I wanted to be a military aviator. You know what God says to my dreams? And I hate to be crass. I don't care about your dreams. That sounds like I'm saying God doesn't care about you. He does care about you. And he puts things in your hearts. He puts desires in your hearts. But they're going to align with his dream ultimately. What he cares about is that you get in alignment with his dream. God is not your co-pilot or mine helping us get to our dreams. And that's a challenge for us because the American Western lifestyle, really global at this point, is if you can dream it, you can get there. And what's insinuated is that is the ultimate of life, achieving what you dream of. And God says, you know what the success is? Achieving my dream with me. All other dreams, wicked. Our dreams as a church, wicked if they're not aligned with God. We might love this part of our church. We might really enjoy that part of our church. We might really need that part of our church. But if God says, I don't, then we don't. Right? It's hard to change. God is always on the lookout for ones who are willing to be faithfully following him. And that always requires change. I don't mean to thrust my own life verse upon you, but this is my life verse. If you have a life verse, you'll know that, that life just comes around to it. <laughs> There's a reason that God's giving you that as a life verse. But I think this one applies here to more than just me. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. There's two things about that verse that have always caught my attention. One, God is looking for those who are fully committed to him and he wants to strengthen their heart. Oftentimes we say, God, strengthen my heart so that I can be fully committed to you. God says, no, you, you be fully committed and I will strengthen your heart. And the other thing that strikes me is that God has to search to find those people. God can see everything. If he has to range there's not many. I want to be in that few as a church that are faithfully committed to him, his way, not our way. And that's a scary thing. Among other things, among other very profound things, 
One of the things Jesus was looking for were followers who could embrace change, could follow the new things God was doing with him, with Jesus himself. The question isn't about the church, per se. It's about whether we, us, as a group of individuals, are willing to seek him, to hold loosely to what we have or what we think we want, and choose his will over our will. Jesus said, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not... I don't have this one written down. It just struck me. Matthew 7. Many will say, Lord, Lord. They will, they will say, Lord, Lord. But the one who enters the kingdom of heaven is the one that does the will of the Father. So we can say to Jesus, you're my Lord. But if we're doing our will and not God's will, Jesus says, I don't know you. No matter what you call me, you have to be in alignment with God's will to enjoy, to participate, to engage the kingdom work, the mission of God. And that's where we want to be as a church, right there. So let me assure you of some things, and then let me ask you, ask you a couple of things. Number one, we are going to remain a Bible teaching church. God is not going to change that. I guarantee. And we are going to stay right there. We will always be a Bible teaching church. Our basics are going to remain, most likely, because they are built out of values that God has pushed out in the New Testament. Caring for the next generation. Gathering together in groups to pray and care. Right? Going where he calls us to go, whether mission or globally or, or locally. Right? <laughs> Those things are always going to be a part of our fabric. What am I asking of you? Own your spiritual life and development right now. I talked about this early on in the, in the podcast series. You've lost, we have lost something in our Sunday morning that was a critical part of our discipleship. What are you doing about that? We're doing all we can to put content there, but it's up to you to engage it and to keep taking in truth and scripture into your life and into your family's life on a regular basis for us to be the church that God wants us to be, for us to be transformative, for us to be in a posture of humility means to continually, personally, individually be seeking him. So please, take ownership of your spiritual life. Stay connected. However you can, connect with others as clunky or awkward or difficult or uh, 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 challenging as it is. Stay connected. Be a part of your community however you can. And there's still plenty of opportunities within all the restrictions we have to be engaged in the cause of Christ locally, in our church, amongst one another, and in the city. You're doing it in spades Keep doing it. When we come back next time, we'll be talking about Nicodemus, a guy that is faced with the very questions we are. Are you willing to change? And that's what God is asking us right now as a church. So come on along as we do our very best to be where God wants us to be. <laughs> and we're calling that Rechurch.